quiet up here. <laughs> Mike asked me to, uh, he, wanted, he asked me um, if I had any uh, topics I wanted to hear about uh, uh, being taught on, and I said, well, worship. He goes, well, why don't you go for it? And so, uh, so here I am. Um, what I'd like to do, uh, I dove into this and I was overwhelmed with what do I, you know, worship is a very a large area and what do I do to, what do I talk about? There's so much you could, you could go for months on this. So I, what I decided to do was to uh, do a two-part, kind of a two-part sermon. I'm going to talk about um, an overview, a worship overview of what's been going on in Lion and Lamb for the last, for, since we started. Um, and then, as a, as a way of encouragement, I'm going to uh, uh, go through uh, several people who have worshipped in the Bible amid really, really hard circumstances. Um, and that's supposed to be encouragement to us, when, because we're not, we don't have hard circumstances compared to these people. So it's, it's supposed to be a, a motivating factor. I'm going to pray for myself, mostly, right, right now. Lord, I need help to... Uh, to say what I want to say and what you've shown me, and um, and um, we all need help uh, listening and worshiping uh, here. So just uh, uh, guide us with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, Amen. I grew up in the Evangelical Free Church. It was a great church. Um, the worship—they loved the Bible. They preached the Word. The worship was so cold. We, we sat, we stood up, we sang hymns. They were great hymns. They were all the old standards. They, lots of the, you know, they were written by Germans and stuff way back. The, 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 music, was, the music was great. Um, old Gilbert Glad played the organ 20 years ago, and he's probably still playing it. Um, so I didn't see the emotional side of worship when I was there growing up. But well, we had the we had the meat, we had the biblical content that was good. Um, when I went to school, I went to uh, University of Kansas and found myself somehow in the Baptist Student Union. Um, and there they had uh, just a little worship. This, the, the leader just set, played his guitar and he sang. Um, it was much more contemporary. Didn't no hymns there. It was uh, it was different. It was uh, there was more of a personal side to it. And that was that was new. That was that was very nice. Um, so I got used to that a little bit. Um, Tanya and I got married, and she had been going to a uh, a little charismatic church in the country called Family of Faith out by Eudora. Um, again, the songs were contemporary mostly, um, and they were they were obviously they were doing stuff I'd I'd never seen before. <laughs> Okay, they were raising their hands. They were bowing. They were bowing down. They were excited. They expected the Holy Spirit to show up. And if they weren't excited, and if and if there wasn't um, uh, if there wasn't a joyous worship experience, then they left really deflated. I mean, and I, and I, and I was at first when I started there, uh, I had to get used to it. I, I I'd never seen that before. And uh, I grew to love it. I grew to, uh, I grew to see that as a, as a relationship and as a, uh, as a personal experience, not just de- declaring theological truths to God in some sort of 
um, abstract way, which, uh, not down on that, but that was, it was a one-dimensional of the church I grew up in. So that added a dimension for me. Um, after coming to Topeka, we, um, we ended up in Fellowship Bible Church. Uh, that's where I got my praise and worship leader start. Um, man, I, I knew how to play the guitar. I, I thought I was great. I, uh, and I wanted to be in the worship band. I wanted to be a rock and roll star, okay? They weren't interested, and it was probably a good thing because I really wasn't as good as I thought I was. And I get this phone call. We had filled out cards, you know, what are your gifts? So I filled out, I'm, I play the guitar. So uh, I get this phone call. It's this guy named Mike Halpin. Would you be interested in leading praise and worship at Sunday school? And in my mind, I'm thinking, what a drag. <laughs> what? These little kids? What? what? I took it up. I did it. Said yes. And uh, that was one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever done. And as, as Adam running is hopefully, you know, also learning, although he had to leave for college, but he was doing that for a bit. I learned to, uh, I learned to play my guitar and sing at the same time, simultaneously. <laughs> I, learned to, uh, I learned to be humble when I messed up. Um, uh, I, learned to, I, I just learned a lot. The, the, the Sunday school was a great experience there, just in a lot of ways. Besides that, it was uh, kind of a place where we and Tanya started going down the path of learning how to be good parents. So that was great. That's how I got that, my start. Uh, after FBC uh, ceased to exist as we knew it, uh, and we left, we, uh, we were just meeting in parks and living rooms. And I showed up with my guitar and a songbook, and I sort of became a worship leader, kind of. And uh, the rest is you know, it's a work in progress, obviously. Um, why is this important? Everyone has a different background. At least, it's been my experience that everyone has a different background. Where have they been? What's their history? What do you bring in expectations for worship? You know, for me, it was a, it was a progression of seeing different things, and it's sort of all become important to me. And I think that's important to understand when you're worshiping in a group to, um, to appreciate other people's... Um, view of what worship should be and uh, what, it look, what does it look like, um, that's a reality of uh, where we all are. Um, back to Lion and Lamb, we were meeting in living rooms, and what that looked like was we had a total free format worship. That means it was like our open worship now without anything else, and really with probably even less leadership than that. Um, I would bring my songbook, and we'd maybe I'd just play a song on the spur of the moment. And uh, There were times when it was great, when everybody had a song, everybody had a, had a word from the Lord, and uh, it was just very emotionally satisfying and fulfilling. Um, and then there were the other times. There were times when it was so dead, so discouraging, so all these pregnant pauses that were miscarriages. It was, it was terrible. I don't mean to make light of the miscarriages, obviously. Um, but it was just, it was so bad. And so gradually, um, we started changing things. For, uh, by the time we were at the karate school, we were, uh, 
we had picked, we were start, I was starting to bring a core sort of set of songs. I knew I was going to play ahead of time. I still would sort of sprinkle them out throughout the pauses. And, and uh, then at some point it became distinct. I can't remember exactly when, but we had a worship time where these songs were sort of prime the pump, and then we had an open worship time where we'd share. Uh, then at some point we moved the worship team time entirely behind the teaching like we do now. The, uh, the thought behind that was that uh, we'd hear the great truths of the Bible, the great teaching that would motivate us to worship, give us a desire to worship. We could think about what we'd heard. Um, I think it was the teacher's idea to do that. It's supposed to be funny. Um, <clears throat> I think it was a good idea. I think it was a good idea. And it's been amazing how uh, often... Uh, God has coordinated teaching topics um, and appropriate songs without us even trying. Even this morning, I'm, we're singing uh, sets, opens prison doors and sets the captives free. We're going to talk about Paul and Silas a little later on. I, I had nothing to do with that. So um, that's where we're at now. We uh, we teach and then we and then we we have a, a set of songs and then we have a, a, a time where. We can all worship before the Lord. Uh, I want to cover briefly expressions of worship uh, and, and, and the biblical basis for that. Uh, the first off, there's four of them, uh, singing praise to God. This isn't exhaustive either. There could, there could be others. These are the ones I chose. Bowing down or kneeling before God, clapping your hands, lifting or raising your hands. The first one is uh, singing praise to God. Not as obvious, it's not controversial at all. Most of the psalms, are, are many are sung. Um, song of Moses and Miriam is a song. Um, we, the one thing I would say for us is we've been making a conscious effort to have meaningful lyrics in our songs. No fluffy, we're, try, we're trying to cut out the fluff. If you see something you think is, is, is junk, I want to know about it. Um, but I think that I think we've got most of them out of there. I think that uh, these are there's a contemporary songs have a lot of re- repetitive choruses. Some of them, some of that's been controversial, but and and maybe not beneficial. We're trying to strike a good balance between uh, music and and uh, great lyrics. Um, psalm 47 is a psalm we'll read later where it talks about singing praises to the Lord. Psalm 150 talks about praises with instruments. Um, I'm going to turn there. I'm going to be looking at most of these in my Bible, so you'll have time to turn along with me if you'd like. Um, Psalm 150. Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, bowing down and kneeling is something else that we that that people do. Uh, Psalm ninety-five. Come, let it, uh, verse six. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. 
Uh, bowing down implies you're... I've heard it said that you're revealing your most vulnerable part when you kneel down. You, you could be exposing your, 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 your vulnerable parts of your body. It's, like, it's a sign of reverence. It's a sign of uh, showing somebody greater than you that you're subject to them. Uh, it's a posture. Uh, Matthew 18, or, excuse me, Matthew 2, Matthew 2, Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, uh, talks about the wise men coming to see baby Jesus. Where is he who, was, who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Verse 11. They came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. A posture of of, uh, submission and reverence. Clapping hands. Psalm 47. We're going to read the entire psalm. I was glad we clapped hands this morning for the opening song. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with the voice of... I'm used to saying triumph. (laughs) Shout to God with the voice of joy. For the Lord Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdues peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chooses our inheritance for us, the glory of Jacob whom he loves. God has ascended with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. The princes of the people have assembled themselves as the people of of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. I want to... That is great, okay? I... There is... I love, I love it when we clap, when I see people clapping. I think it's great. Um, it's, uh, if, you have, if you feel the need to clap, please do. Um, the, last, the last list on our expressions that I have uh, down is uh, lifting or raising our hands. Um, I'm going to read, uh, I have several verses here. Um, all, some of these verses are talking about uh, joyful praise. Others are talking about worship in times of difficulty that we'll get to in, in a bit. Uh, Psalm 28.2 Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help. When I lift my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Psalm 63.4 So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Psalm 119, verse 48. I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Psalm 134, 2. Lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Lamentations, chapter 2, verse 19. Arise, cry aloud in the night, and and at at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the life of your little ones who are faint because of hunger at the head of every street. 
Lamentations chapter 3, verse 41. We lift our hearts and hands toward God in heaven. Uh, in the New Testament, I found one, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Therefore, Paul is speaking, instructing people how, what their church service should look like, what their church should look like. Uh, Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath or dissension. Mike and I were talking about this uh, the other day, and uh, you can't lift your hands up to God if they're dirty or if you have something to hide. You're showing God that that you're clean. don't even go. You can't go there. You know, if 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 you've got st- if you have issues with God, you you simply can't worship. Um, I bring these up because some people in our congregation do some of these things, and others don't. And I would just simply say that uh, um, they're okay because they're in the Bible. Um, if you if you feel uncomfortable, you shouldn't. Um, it doesn't mean you have to do it. Anybody should feel free to worship as they, as they see fit, as they are led by the Lord. Um, um, don't anyone do this to satisfy anyone else. It's, this, is a pl- this is a time where um, you should be uh, thinking about the Lord, thinking what He's done for, for you, and, and these are expressions of that. And, um, and so I, just, I wanted to, I wanted to um, explain where, some of the places where they came from in the Word. Moving on to open worship time. Uh, this open worship time, the term open, as far as I know, came from this book titled The Open Church. It's by a guy named James Rutz. Um, it's, our, it's an opportunity to worship God personally before the rest of the congregation. Um, what have you been reading in your Bible? Um, has the Lord shown you something, good, bad, or otherwise, in your life um, that would somehow that you feel the need to thank God for. Um, and the reason I think this, that open worship is so important is that um, we are not lone rangers in the Christian faith. We, are, we need encouragement. We need help. And contributing contributions in open worship, uh, they will encourage somebody. I guarantee it. Uh, you may, you may um, be dealing with something that someone else is dealing with. Uh, an issue, something that God showed you. Maybe somebody else needs to hear that too for their own personal lives. And if nothing else, when people share uh, or contribute a praise during open worship time, uh, people know that you're reading your Bible, that you have a spiritual walk with the Lord. Uh, And that is very encouraging. That is, um, I think, for no other reason. I know sometimes when I... I think about during the week, what am I going to share during open worship? And uh, because I want to, I not only want to bless the Lord, but I, w- I want to bless and encourage other people too. I think that's important. Um, the congregation, are, I have written down here, the congregation are participants. You're participants, not spectators. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 14, verse 26. Um, I'll read that. It talks about uh, each person bringing something to the meeting. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, 
has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So this is your chance. It's an opportunity. Um, If you don't take advantage of it, then you leave the worship to other people here at church. And so I would just encourage you to uh, not do that. Um, If you're tempted to think that what you have is not important, then I'd I'd reconsider that because it's not true. It's uh, everybody needs to hear from one another in uh, in our body of believers. Uh, one little uh, one little note. Uh, don't. It's better not to share prayer requests and other things during open worship time. This is just sort of a an aside here. Um, it's kind of a fuzzy line. Sometimes if somebody's on your heart, um, it's. I would just say that if if something's of a of a prayer request nature, move it, move it to the announcements. Um, if it's a praise and you're praising God, then, then by all means go for it. Um, it's, it's tempting to gauge the, the spiritual vitality of the church by how active or not active open worship is. And we've wrestled with that before. Um, we used to encourage, I remember going to, we went through great lengths back in, back in the day when we were meeting in living rooms trying to encourage, almost even train people to, people to share during open worship time. You know, those pauses were uncomfortable. And uh, I think it's more complicated than that, but I do think that to, it's, it's true to a point. If you're not walking, if you're not walking the Christian faith uh, in your life during the week, you can't come here and turn on a switch and, and, sh- and, uh, and praise the Lord during open worship time, or really during any time. Um, that, I know that doesn't account for people's personalities and what they feel comfortable doing. But, uh, but to a certain point, I will just say this, if you're, not, if you're not reading the Word, if you're not getting before God during the week, it's not going to happen. If you are feeling dry when it comes to worship, here's some encouragement I have written down. Um, and before I go that, before I share those, I'm going to define worship and praise. Um, these I kind of put together from the Oxford Dictionary. Praise is the expression of admiration and ascribing of glory. To command the worth, to commend the worth, excellence, or merits to extol the glorious attributes of God, and it's often associated with song. Worship, on the other hand, a little different. To respect honor or revere as a supernatural being or power, as a holy thing to adore with appropriate acts, rites, or ceremonies. Um, we don't do too rites doesn't sound like th- things we do, but, uh, but respect, honor, and revere, and adore is. Um, I gleaned some things from some of Marvin's teachings on this. Um, Marvin wrote, Worship is presented by us to God as an acknowledgement of our deep appreciation of who He is and all that He has done. We worship Him in spirit and truth so that we may bring glory to His name and delight to His heart. Um, and I also liked, uh, he has up here, uh, you guys might remember this even, it's a, it's a eulogy for a dog in a pet cemetery. It's in memory of Bruce. He must have been a little Scotty or something. The devoted servant, faithful friend, warm admirer, and ardent worshiper of his master. Um, I, like, I like that. Um, the things I've read are what these people did that I'm about to read. 
these people uh, define they, they followed that they satisfied that definition to God. It's easy to uh, worship when things are going great, when things are all fine, when uh, the sun's shining, you're making a lot of money, the kids are o- the kids are obeying every word that you say. They're not crying. Whose kid is that anyway? Um, here's some examples. We won't read them, but Exodus 15, Moses in the Red Sea. I mean, uh, a supernatural miracle, salvation from the hands of the Egyptians. Second Samuel 6, uh, David brought the ark back to uh, brought the ark to Jerusalem. He was dancing, hardly any clothes on. He was just he was going crazy to the Lord in happiness and joy. James 5, verse 13 says, Is anyone, asks, Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. It's appropriate. Uh, on the other hand, on the other hand, there are these other times. Um, times when people have died in our lives. Um, when there's medical problems that you don't know what's going on. And, you, and they won't be solved. Um, did you feel like praising? I mean, this is where I, I was wrestling with these things when I thought about, could I, could I praise God in these circumstances? Could I do it? I don't know. I don't know the answer, but it, was, it got me to thinking. The first one, I'm going to do four. Four people, Job, Abraham, David, and uh, Paul and Silas. And let's start with Job, uh, chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. The man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Uh, skipping down, uh, I'm going to just summarize here. Job would, uh, Job would consecrate, consecrate them. He would rise up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of his uh, sons and daughters. Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So then what happened? Um, all of his kids and his cattle got killed. Skipping down to uh, verse 20, Job arose and tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's move on to Abraham. We're going to go back and revisit these later, but let's go back and uh, look at Abraham. Genesis chapter 22. Verse 5. I'll just start reading right at the beginning of the chapter. Now it came about in these, during these times that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, I, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose, and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his, his young men, 
Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder, and we will worship and return to you. He was ready to offer his son in the context of worship. Kill him. David, Second uh, ch- Samuel chapter 12, verses 13 through 23. I'm asking myself this whole time, could I do that? How could they do that? How could they be faithful enough to... How could they... I just can't understand worship in that context. I, if I, if I, as I've read these, I can't, I can't understand how... It's what's drawn me to these verses. Let's see. Chapter, uh, verse 13. Remember, David had, had uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, had her husband killed, got her pregnant. Nathan called him on it. Uh, verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because of this deed, you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born to you shall surely die. David went and uh, he laid down, he fasted, he prayed to the Lord that uh, he interceded on behalf of his child. Um, didn't work, so to speak. Um, the child died. They told him. So, verse 20, David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Paul and Silas are New Testament example. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. We'll start at verse 16. And it happened that they were, we were going to the place of prayer, a certain slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Uh, to summarize, Paul pretty much, Saul, uh, Paul, Paul took out, removed that spirit from that girl. Her masters were mad. They had him thrown in the dungeon. Down to verse 22, uh, they tore their, their robes off and proceeded to, and to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a commandment, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I mean, I'm picturing solitary confinement. You know, I'm Alcatraz, you know. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Throughout all of these, I'm trying to figure out, I, just, I, I still struggle with how could, they, how could these people do that? How could they worship? I mean, I'd be angry. I'd be looking for a way to get out. I'd be blaming God for the calamity that befell me. For, or for giving me a, a command to, commil, to, to kill my son. I, 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 just, I struggle with that when I was reading these. So then I got to thinking, well, how could they do it? Um, 
What did they do such that they could worship in those circumstances? And how does that apply to us? What can we do? Um, Back to Job. Job was a blameless man. He was walking in faith. And it's ironic, the very thing that uh, he was doing is what brought that upon him. Um, He was prepared beforehand. He was walking in it such that he could worship. He didn't. He didn't just walk in, he just wasn't walking along and all of a sudden this happened and he was able to worship. He was prepared, he was walking in faith. Um, he, in a sense, was, quote, you know, so to speak, doing his homework. Another example of this sort of attitude uh, is in Habakkuk, chapter 3. This is a uh, minor prophet. Let's see. Page. Oh, just kidding. Chapter 3, uh, at the very end of the chapter, six, verses 16 through 19. It's between Zephaniah and um, Nahum. I heard, I heard uh, they're undergoing judgment. Um, this is back when Israel was going to be conquered. I heard, in my, and this is the prophet speaking, I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound of and at the sound, my lips quivered. Decay entered my bones, and in my place I tremble, because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and though there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like deer feet, and makes me walk on my high places. I can't help but think that, uh, that God helped him to say that. That, his, that the Holy Spirit helped him to say those words and, ha- and for him to have that attitude. Abraham had faith. Uh, in the faith chapter of Hebrews, chapter 11. Um, verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise men, even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. He had faith, both before, before Isaac was born, he had faith that he would be given Isaac, and then he, was, he had faith that God could raise Isaac from the dead, even if he had gone ahead, if God hadn't stopped him and he had gone ahead and killed Isaac, that Isaac would be brought back. David and Bathsheba, uh, the, the example there, David had sinned. He had brought this all upon himself. How was he able to worship? Uh, I think first... Uh, the application for us is that David repented. David asked God to forgive him. 
he got down on his knees. Now, some of that when he was trying to save his son, uh, you know, was that worship? Maybe some of it was. He was declaring what was true to God. I'm sure he was also interceding for his son. Look at the end. Um, uh, he, uh, a little later on that I hadn't read, he said, uh, the, the servants were confused because he seemed to be rejoicing that his son had died uh, because he was worshiping and eating after. And uh, he said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me. The child may live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Um, David David had faith that he would see his son again. Um, I read that to mean that that um, that the Lord would that would save both of them as far as um, after they died that that their souls would be saved that they would see each other. An application for us. Uh, oh, by the way, he, David is also in the the, the Hebrews chapter of faith. Um, he was a man of faith because of that. Uh, the application for us is to confess our sins before we try to worship. We don't have to pull anything off. We don't have to try to do something under our own steam. We can't do it. First John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." Um, we can't come in here without if we have issues. We cannot do it. Paul and Silas. What did they do such that they could worship? What, was, what did they know to be true? First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. The answer is they were saved and they knew the, they knew the, uh, they knew the gospel. Starting in verse 17. Uh, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon the earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. It, it made me think of uh, the baptism we had a little while ago. Paul and Silas, they were thrown in jail for no good reason, for no real reason, other than they saved, were presenting the gospel and they saved some, some young girl from um, being a, what I view as a spiritist or a, somebody who was um, in the snare of Satan. They were doing these good things. They, they were persecuted. And uh, the thing that empowered them, it had to be, it was the gospel. I'm going to review it. Um, it's, it was so great to hear these testimonies at the baptism. I loved. I was glad I was able to read those. And we've gone over these in our men's uh, Bible study. All have sinned, Romans three twenty three. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin brings death, Romans six twenty three. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God gave us a way out. Acts sixteen. Verse 30 and 31, it's the second half of the story with Paul and Silas. The earthquake happened, the the jailer thought everyone got out, he was going to kill himself, but they were all there, they didn't leave. 
the jailer was humbled. He said, what must I do? He asked, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Um, let's go back to, the, to Acts 16. I want to read the end of that. What was the response of the jailer? He took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and his, all his household. He brought them into his house, set food before them, and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. He rejoiced greatly. Um, it talks about in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, about uh, the church of Ephesus. I'm sure we'll get there pretty soon. Um, they lost their first love. I think that happens to us sometimes. We forget, we get carried away with issues. Little pitiful issues of this world, and we forget. Um, we forget where we were before, or what condition we would be in had we not been saved. Uh, that alone, that alone is uh, just to wrap up. That alone is is reason for us. We have no excuse not to worship. I'll just boil it down and say that. Um, if 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 you come in here and you're thinking about the will the time bake work on the oven for our dinner after church, you you're missing it. If uh, if you're worried, if you're wondering whether Trent Green's going to throw three touchdowns or three interceptions, either one, um, we have a reason to worship, even amidst difficulty, like a few of us have had. Um, wondering why um, things aren't healed, wondering why. People died, relatives died, or or wondering where where are your relatives at? The Lord. These are these are weighty issues, but uh, these examples show that people can worship the Lord if they know what's true about Him. These people, um, and with God's help. I mean, I, I just think that uh, if, you're, if you're spiritually dry, if you're having a tough time worshiping, if you think, uh, if you're just standing there and you're thinking, what, why am I here? What, what's that song about? Uh, I'm here to say that, uh, that we have a reason to be joyful no matter what. Let the, let the poor say, let me get this song straight. Let the, let the weak say I'm strong, let the poor say that I'm rich because of what the Lord's done for me. First Peter, and this is one of my last uh, Bible verses. First um, Peter chapter two, verses one through six, and then uh, nine through ten. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the world, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you have tasted, the, if you have, the, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, and coming to Him as a, to a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture: Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious stone, cornerstone. And he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. Going down to verse 9. 
you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If you're having trouble, again, I want to trouble worshiping. If you feel like you're not adequate, I would say um, examine yourself. Uh, Repent of sin like David did. Get into the Word. Read the Bible. Get on your knees. Um, I wrote down, kind of in quotes, give the Holy Spirit something to work with. That's kind of, you know, in a manner of speaking, I mean that. Um, Ask God to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Um, Doing things on our own steam never works. Uh, As as an analogy, we went to the Air Force, um, or the... The air show the other day, and we saw the, the Air Force Thunderbird, the Thunderbirds. They were totally awesome, and uh, I was just in awe of the power of those machines, the precision by which they flew. Um, they didn't just get their pilot's license and do that. I mean, they, they practiced. They practiced over and over again. Come ready to worship. Come ready to do those acrobatics, so to speak. Um, and I have some examples, just some practical examples. Uh, the worship team, uh, the worship team practices here before church, um, and after we practice, and sometimes we're good, sometimes we know the songs well enough that uh, they in themselves are are worshipful and meaningful. But we also pray at the end, and that's one of the most important things of our whole practice. We pray that God would would help us to worship, um, and that's a time that we can get our hearts right before God. Peggy and Deanne used to pray before church. I don't know if you still do. or. Okay. Um, I, think that's, I think that's great, and I think that's another way um, to... No, no, I, I don't... Yeah, I know I'm picking on you. I just, I just meant I knew that you did that, and, and I want to say that that's a, that's a good way to become prepared to worship God. Um, I know that... Uh, Jim told me that uh, that Jim and Kara were reading the psalm before, before Sunday mornings before they came. These are the kind of things that you can do to to help you get prepared to do your homework. Dr. Parr that I had uh, took hydraulics from at the University of Kansas was one of the professors that he never picked homework up. He didn't he didn't grade it. If you want to do it, you could do it. He had the answers. If you wanted to see if you did them right, there was no grade to it. And um, it was amazing how the people that got good grades on the tests, which was the sole way you got your grade in the class, they were the ones doing the homework. And the people that didn't feel like it, they didn't do, they didn't do so well. I got a B in the class, okay, so I was somewhere in between. Um, James, uh, I, I take that back. I've got one more reference. I know I've got to wrap this up. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. 
that has nothing to do with worship other than Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Job was a man with a nature like ours. Abraham was a man with a nature like ours. David was a man with a nature like ours. Paul was a man with a nature like ours. But they, that means that we can do it. There's hope for us. If you feel worship challenged, and I'm not saying you are or aren't, but if you, feel, if you struggle with it, because I, even I do from time to time, um, we, we can do it with the Lord's help. Um, finally, I'll just sum up. If, uh, if you ever want to talk about worship with me, with anybody in the worship team, I know that we'd be glad to. And um, I know that we're always open for uh, improvements, suggestions, and um, we're just excited to talk about it. So uh, uh, let, let's pray. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your son that, that uh, is the reason that we sing. He is worthy to be praised. He is the object of our affection. He is the, uh, he's our salvation. And Lord, we would be remiss if we did not stand up here and sing his praises. If we were not in love with him, he the lover of our souls. I just pray, Lord, that you'd fill us with an awe and a love for, for your son, for you. And that, uh, that you'd be pleased with the worship that we bring to you. And Lord, help us not to give you this table scraps. Help us to give you everything that we have. In Jesus' name.